All right, everyone, welcome to the 340th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in sunny Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling live and direct. This is a a couple hours after the draft lottery because we're adults now and can't record directly after something happens. We have to schedule it a little bit better, but we're here to talk about our thoughts and then do a mock draft about the top uh, the lottery picks. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how this how this draft goes now. There's potential to get a generational talent. But uh, how nervous were you when the Blazers could have been like the sixth, fifth, or fourth pick? Like, where oh, no, I was I was watching it with with Olga and Ari, and Olga was holding Ari, and I was like rubbing his feet, and I was just like every time a pick was announced, I was like, no, 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 no. And like it just like kept building and building. Like, but I was telling Olga, I, I was like, we don't have to worry about until pick number nine. And honestly, you kind of do have to worry because you don't want any of those other teams jumping ahead of you. So it's just like, okay, everything status quo, status quo. And then once you see that we weren't at number five, I mean, I was just like top four. Like I, I really felt 2007 all over again. Had good vibes throughout the whole day. Wore my Brandon Roy shirt to jury duty. Um, you know, we were just really trying to to do what we can to recreate what happened 16 years ago. And and I felt as like we're top four, like we got B Roy up there, like just seeing him up there again representing the Trailblazers. It's been so long since we've seen the natural in association with Rip City. And then you 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 find out you're not number four, and that's the biggie. You want to be in that top three, and you're like, Oh my God, this could happen. And three was when I was like, it, it's probably, I was like, if we can get by three, it's going to happen. And we just, we just, we just couldn't get by three. It It's definitely a letdown. Like it's it, looking back after you've had time to let it say like, no, moving up is fantastic. You take the any day of the week, but in the moment when you're going after Victor Wimbanyama, the number one overall pick, you're, you, I mean, you, it's like a reveal after reveal. It's almost like you're doing deal or no deal. Right. And you're like, picking the right briefcase time after time and our, our luck just you know it, 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 i wouldn't say it ran out it just came to an end that's where the journey was but it was a major adrenaline rush i i felt it better this year than last year and you know i'll take this adrenaline rush this you know 30 minutes of drawn out television over a play-in over a five or six game series in the first round like I know people may be opposed to tanking. They may not like the product over the last month of the season. Um, they may be one of the playoffs, but this is how you build success. This is how you get to be one of the final four teams that, that are playing basketball right now, like especially a small market like Portland. You gotta you gotta have skin in the game. You gotta put some money down to get those to get those odds. And Portland did, and, and they moved up. They were really the only team that moved up um outside of the the top, you know you know, five or six teams like Indiana, Orlando, Washington, they all stayed static, static, status quo. Uh, Detroit was the big loser, but like, you know, you, you kind of expected Charlotte and San Antonio in, in, in Houston to be in, in that top four. Like I, it, it was crazy. Portland was really the only team out of the projected top four that, that made their way into that top four It is a bit of a, of a, you know, salt in the wound. Like the, the knife's already in you. And they, they twist it and you get a little bit of salt in the wound. Ben Golliver informed us all that Portland was one number off uh, on the four number combination. 
um, from getting their one overall pick. And I, I've also heard that they were one number off from moving up a second year in a row in 2008 to get Derek Rose. So there's, you know, Portland has come very close before, but it's always interesting to kind of like let it sink in and look back historically. Last year worked out perfectly for Portland. I wouldn't want anybody other than Shane Sharp. You look back in 2007, we would have been much better getting the second overall pick. Go back, you know, even even further, 2005, Portland moves up to three and, and they trade it back and they, they pass on, you know, Darren Williams and, and Chris Paul. You even look in 2007, if they just would have got the third pick, there's Al Horford right there. Al, Al Horford is still getting biz. He's for, in the league. He's on a start. He's starting on a. He's not just starting. He's doing work yeah. for a potential championship contender on the Boston Celtics. And you look in 2000, uh, what is it, 18? The Suns, they finally got breakthrough. They, they win the lottery. They, they take DeAndre Ayton. They pass on Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Like, I'm not saying Victor's not going to hit. I'm just saying maybe five years from now, we'll be thinking, oh, that's awesome that we got the third pick. I mean, obviously, yes, number one, we, we would have been the best possible scenario. But these things do have to play out. We have to watch, you know everything unfold and with the time being you know i will gladly take the number three overall pick and if you are a blazer fan who is interested in scoot henderson i think there are two teams that you wanted to get the number two pick the indiana pacers and the the charlotte hornets because they both have not just established point guards but young established point guards who don't play well off the ball uh, and LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton, uh, respectively. So uh, you would think Brandon Miller would would be a good bet to go number two. And I know a lot of people are high on Brandon Miller. I, I've seen him as high as number two on, on big boards uh, across a, a ton of different publications and pundits. However, neither of us are super high on, on Brandon Miller as a prospect. So um, there's a big difference in how I value that number three pick as to who's available. If, Absolutely. Is it, or is it Brandon? Context matters, especially with when it, with it being one of those teams that needs a a wing player like Lamelo Ball is great, but the fact that they have they're so light in wings, it just is, it kind of makes sense that Brandon Miller is that guy. He's six nine, can shoot, like has potential as a uh, as a playmaker. Like he Lamelo missed my uh miles bridges he missed having those wings so if you can find a guy that can provide scoring and 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 play fine defense i think Lamelo can make him shine especially with the the the, the nutty shooting so i mean it, it's lucky that we got scoot or <laughs> have the potential of getting scoot but you know we only had a 20, uh, like a 30% chance at getting a top three pick. It's much better chance that we were worse. So I'm very happy to be picking at three rather than nine or eight. So we had, we had a very good draft lottery and there's, there's chances of it being a great draft because of that. So, I mean, I was, I was very excited, kind of bummed out, but then I realized who was two and I was like, okay, I like it. They don't particularly need a point guard. So it, it's a bummer that the Spurs, a Western Conference team, got Victor. But 
it's a I feel like it's a good day for Rip City. Absolutely. And maybe for Victor's sake, maybe for Portland's sake, it's best that he didn't end up in here with all of our history with injured big men. Uh I, I wouldn't wish that on him on any anyone. And obviously I don't I'm not interested in rehashing all of those stories. So um probably for the best. It I I still would have liked to seen it play out, obviously, but it, it doesn't happen. And now the Blazers, Sage, are heading into the offseason with a bigger and better trade asset or just asset in general than they had, you know, a month ago when, when the season ended. Uh, when, when you look at this draft, in my opinion, it's a two-player draft, and then there's just a really a good crop of role players with some of, of the lottery talent, if they hit, could become superstars. But I, I we, have, we have discussed, you know, in our Future Friday series, that there's just, I think, such a small margin of, of error for those players, you know, hitting their 99th percentile. Like, a lot would have to go right for it to happen. So if you're able to land Scoot Henderson... Um, that's a no brainer. I, I I don't trade the pick at all. Like there there's, we, we were discussing this over text, like, you know, obviously if you don't get Victor, but you get the chance to draft scoot, who are you trading it for? Like there's, it's like maybe five or six players on, on my list that I'm willing to trade a prime Russell rest, Russell Westbrook slash Derek Rose type of talent at the point guard factor in that you could pair him up with Shaden Sharp, that you could p- pair him up with Shaden Sharp looking at a souped up version of Terry Porter and Clyde Drexler, right? Like that backcourt brought that team to two finals in three years and won 63 games in the year sandwiched in between something that still hasn't been replicated in the Rose city. And then you can start to really fill out the roster. And uh, when you have your backcourt set, especially with a facilitator, you know, point guard is um, not the most important, but a very important position in the league. And then you get that elite wing and Shaden. I just think those two would just flourish so well off of one another and would attract players to, to want to play uh, alongside of them. So for me to pry that pick out of my hands, I mean, honestly, and this may be an oversell uh, of the the pick or oversell of, of Scoot Henderson, the prospect, but, but Sage, I'm looking at guys like I need to see big names like Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic, Jason Tatum. Those are the players that I need in return for that number three pick because it's not. And I've seen this a lot with with trade proposals and you brought up a bunch, right? Like you texted me. You're like, there's um, there's John Collins. There's Jonathan Kaminga, DeAndre Ayton, uh, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, uh, Pascal Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns. Of all of those, I hesitated at Carl Anthony Towns. Then I went over to our good old pal ESPN trade checker and saw that Cat's making $33 million. The problem Portland has with trying to go out and acquire one of these top-notch players, you have to be able to match salary. This isn't baseball. There is a salary cap here in Portland because of either impending free agents or just an overall a young, young roster has two, two realistic tradable contracts in Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic. So not only are you giving up the three pick, you're also giving up depth, talent, and really your only other avenue to improve the team. So that's why it can't be Pascal Siakam. It, it, it just it can't be OG Anobi. It, it can't be just 
really good to good, good to really good players. You need elite with this three pick that's going to be able to roll alongside Jeremy, Shaden, and, and Damian. So that's why when you hear names like, you know, Nicola, Joel, and Jason, like it, it has to be that player because that's how you contend. And why I don't think it's feasible is because I don't think those teams are in the market to trade those type of players. And Portland shouldn't be in the market to take anything less in return. It's it's not a, a good symbiotic relationship, right? So you, if if Scoot's gone and it's Jarris or Brandon Miller, does that change your perception? Absolutely. But I'm still you still have to apply the same philosophy, right? You still have to say, okay, the Raptors still really want Brandon Miller and they're willing to give us Pascal Siakam. You can't trade Anthony and Yusuf and the three picks. So this is where it gets really difficult in the player that you need to go after is because now you're, are you really in a better position than you were before? That's a lot of depth and we struggle to get depth in general. So are you really... Is, is is are you really ready to rely on this year little to play 82 games like that's a lot of pressure and so if we're if we have low depth that puts a lot of pressure on guys that have had the the uh the problem with availability so yeah I, I, it, it Jarris, i i i would be intrigued with cat but the guys that we mentioned it I just feel like Jairus either could be a better fit, a better player, or we're just giving up too much for a player that's a little bit better than Jairus Walker. So it, 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 Scoot's just a non-starter. Like we're 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 pay, we're getting the second best player in the draft at the third picks. So we're paying significantly less than we would. Plus, <laughs> I mean, the potential of Shaden and Scoot is just so tantalizing. That I, I'm not trading it for a guy who's in his late 20s, early 30s, who has who's on his second or third major contract. It just doesn't make sense because we can we can control Scoot with you know restricted free agency, so he can be on the team for a long time, and we have Shaden Sharp, so it just doesn't make sense to make any trades. And then, but then with Jarris, it's just like he also fits like a glove with uh, Shaden, so it's like I'm I'm not trying to give up legitimately good players just to get a a little bit better of a player. The trade I look at if Scoot Henderson has gone at number two is you look at a team like Utah, right? They've got six and 11, or do they really want Brandon Miller? If so, then I probably make that trade because you're guaranteed probably one of the Thompson twins, Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks at six. And then you have another asset at 11. If you, if there's somebody at nine or 10, you covet, you can package 23 with that 11 pick and, and move up. Um, you you can do some things there. So if you're going to move it, you have to be certain that the player at three, if Scoot is gone, like it just doesn't tickle your fancy. And you have to understand, you have to maneuver the draft board. You got, you have to be like, do you think Houston takes Jairus? Do you think Detroit takes Jairus? Well, we'll get into that in, in our mock so, draft. But I'm just thinking um, like, if you're trading with the Utah pick, I do not think, to think about is, is in the market for Jairus Walker. Yeah. So you got to think about, okay. I have two power forwards that I really like. Is there a hundred percent chance that we get one of those? You know, so it's it's if if we're trading back because Scoot's gone and neither of us are very excited about Brandon. Like, 
you know, make make solid guesses. Like, I don't think Orlando is going to want Jairus Walker when they have all of those bigs. So that that that's a safe pick and things like that. I would that. say a lot of it's going to be like, what does the combine tell us? What do these workouts tell us? You know, you get a sense of speaking with a kid. I'll take a, a Men Thompson, for example, potential through the roof, checks every single box except for the shot. What type of, you know, just talk, what type of work ethic does he have? Like talk to rival coaches, not just his coaches that maybe we're going to fluff him up. Like talk to opposing players, um, do your Intel. Like this is what Mike Schmitz now gets paid the big bucks to do, right? Like if Scoot's gone, you really have to figure out who is going to be the right fit. Because if a man is just even slightly below league average shooting, he and Shaden are devastating absolutely devastating with his playmaking the athleticism they have on the wings i mean the size i mean you're i mean we haven't seen a wing tandem like that since the early nine the early 90s pip and jordan bulls like when they were freak athletes and they were playing everything in the passing lanes like so that would that would give me if I'm if I trust a man just to become a little bit better shooter, that gives me the only hesitation of of trading three. If if Scoot's gone, Brandon to me is not really an option. I think taking three is too high for Jarris Walker. To to, I would trade back for him if that's really your guy. But if 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 you really fall in love with one of the Thompson twins, um, Deportal's in a good spot here. That that's just the bottom line. They, they have options that that fit for the long term. I think people wanting that that win with with Dame, you know, quick rebuild. That was that was when you got Victor Wembanyama. That's how you can do it. Is if if you were to land that that number one overall pick, and he can come in right away and become your all star, and then it's pretty easy to build around. I, I think they're going to have to do some soul searching though, because if it becomes clear that Scoot Henderson is going to be available at three, you know, Intel leaks and um, you hear all of that stuff, and you and you there's no rumors of teams moving up to take that number two pick away from, from Charlotte to, to draft Henderson. Like if, if it becomes clear that Henderson will be there and he does a phenomenal job at the workout, Portland has to do some soul searching because it's, this is the, if you're going to hit the reset button, now is the time. Like I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. If you're going to do it, just do it now. Do not do it next year. Do not do it two years down the road when not only is Dame's values deteriorated, there's not a prospect like Scoot Henderson next year. It's just, it's not, he's, the next year's draft has not, unless something dramatically changes from what I've read, next year's draft just isn't what the past two drafts have become or could be. So don't, don't, don't wait too long. Like this, this is the time. If you're going to do it, do it now. You have everything lined up for you. Dame's value is at an all-time high. You have a generational potential point guard to replace him, right? Yeah, replacing one generational point guard with another is pretty pretty awesome. The re, I mean, this this is like Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. I I just hate both of those dudes, so I didn't want to mention it. So I was on the Blazers Edge Radio today, and we were talking about the playoffs. What people want is the KD trade to happen for the Blazers. But there isn't a KD out there. And KD, that that trade gave up all the depth that the Suns had. So at best, we end up like the Suns 
with a worse coach and a worse secondary star. I'm just Phoenix finished in fewer games than they did last year without Kevin Durant. Yeah. Last year they, they got busted at home in game seven. This year they got busted at home in game six. So they didn't even advance farther with Kevin Durant. And that's exactly what what I what I've you know been been preaching to the choir. Like you're just you're, you're preaching to the choir right here, Sage, because even Phoenix with a, a star in Devin Booker, they, they they were not even a factor with, with Kevin Durant. And, and the problem with that is Durant's now pushing 35. He's off coming off. He still has had a torn Achilles. He's had a foot injury in the past. He's not the same player. You gave up all of your young wing depth, gave up all of your assets to go out and get somebody else uh, with those draft picks and pick swaps. Chris Paul's contract is damn near immovable. And DeAndre He's getting older. DeAndre Ayton just probably had one of the, the worst playoff performances I've seen from a potential, you know, max all star type. Yeah, yeah, max player. Yeah. And Chris Paul is completely cooked. So now there's there, there's not a lot of avenues for them to get better. Like so wouldn't the, you want to give yourself more avenues to get better than pushing everything into Pascal Siakam, who isn't he isn't KD. Like even this version of KD, Pascal Siakam's not that. So it it I know that wait waiting for something good to happen for something good is tough in this society, but the best play possible way for us to be better as a team, not the Damian Lillards as the Portland Trailblazers is to develop talent and nurture that talent and get more of it and have Shaden have that growth, have potentially Scoot Henderson have that growth and be smart with our draft picks. And we hired Smiths to do that. I think we should let him do his job. And he did, he did such a good job with Shaden Sharp and, uh, Walker, let's give him another shot at doing it. And now we have three draft picks instead of two. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you go all in, you have to make and, and Joe Cronin has addressed this before. Like, he he's aware. Like, if you go all in, you have to have like what whatever you took to give up what you wanted, the remaining pieces have to be enough. Like, you still have to be have depth and have quality players. It, it can't just be a two-man show. It, it, yeah, like we were, were you, you look at Minnesota, they gave up the farm for Rudy Gobert to become a first round exit. The, the Atlanta Hawks gave up three first round picks for DeJounte Murray. And now they're already, you know, they make, they lose in the first round. They're already thinking about trading Trey Young because that, that, that doesn't, that fit doesn't work with those two. Portland, just look back. It doesn't generally work when you trade everything you have in, 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 the, in the chamber. You know, when you, your war chest, like you, you give up everything you got. So here, take the briefcase. It just for most teams, all, every team aside from the Lakers, it just doesn't work. Like and that, Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, they, they got a chip from Drew. So I know damn well you and I would take a chip in our life. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a it, chip it, in our life. It only cost Milwaukee draft picks. It didn't cost them a young player. I just led <laughs> just gave up picks. So, but yes, but I, and I would say with the Lakers and with the Bucks, they had generational players mm-hmm. in place that play a position of scarcity. Six nine, six ten wings that move like guards are, you know, just the the, the best type of currency that you can have to spend uh, in, in the league, and that's why you know it was able to work. They they didn't have to move Chris Middleton. Like they still had a solid foundation. They went out and brought in Brooke Lopez. Like 
the Bucks were ready to go. Like this, that was a team that was just like, okay, we'll give up our draft currency, but we have a we have a squad around mm-hmm. around Drew. Bring him in, we're good to go. And then New uh-huh. Orleans trading two generational talents, they got a shitload of assets for it. Did you just call Drew Holiday a generational talent? No, shut up. He's a generational <laughs> talent at defense. He's a generational He's a talent in, your heart. in my heart. Yeah, in your heart. <laughs> Two very right. good players. <laughs> All right, Sage. Before we get into this post-lottery mock draft, uh, we have a couple of fan questions that I want to get to. First is from our guy Peter at Rip Citizen. Uh, this is a good one, one I haven't thought about in a while. But he says, in hindsight, was quote-unquote retooling after LaMarcus Aldridge and the band left uh, in the summer of 2015 the best option? Should we have completely started over and rebuilt through the draft? So much of the moves made in the last decade have fucked us. Well, Lamarcus left, so we didn't really have any options. No, no, no. So Peter's question, and this is what Neil Olshay was trying to do, was in the summer of 2015 when it was evident Lamarcus was gone, six of the top seven leading scorers were gone. It was going to be the Damon CJ show, and they were going to try to tank their ass off and, and land a top pick in the 2016 draft. I mean, that that was the plan. The Vegas had us at 23 wins. Portland goes out, gets into the second round of the playoffs. That following summer, they hand out a ton of money to Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, uh, Maurice Harkless, Alan Crabb. And that was one of the, the first moves that really put one, maybe both hands tied behind Portland's back. Um, it, it's it's a good question because the draft again, that draft, the 2016 draft was not a good draft. I mean, even at the time, it wasn't considered particularly good. And looking back now, it really hasn't aged well. At the time, the prize was Ben Simmons. Um, and he had a couple of he had a couple of you know all NBA seasons, but he's basically unplayable now. Uh, I'm just gonna run through the top 10. Then you have Brandon Ingram. Um, seven years in the league, I would say it took him like four just to get to an all-star. Jalen Brown, probably the best player out of the draft. Um, but then you've got Dragon Bender, Chris Dunn, Buddy Heald, a Jamal Murray, who's a, I think a CJ McCollum level player, Marquise Chris, Yaka Pirtle, and Thon Maker. Uh, just to be fair, I'll throw in DeMontis Sabonis at 11. But again, he took about five or four or five years before he became um, all-star caliber as well. So that's, you know, obviously, if, if you tank and you land Jalen Brown, things look a lot different. But what if you tank and you landed Dragon Bender, right? Like, oh, it, as as much as those moves in 2016 pained me, the, the Blazers do have the ability to look back and say, we made the Western Finals in 2019. And a lot of those players, Maurice Harkless, even Evan Turner in that game seven against the Denver Nuggets, they, they 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 did help and they did get to the Western Conference Finals. And because it was the only Western Conference Finals that we've seen since 2000, that holds some weight in in my in my view. Um, it just depends on who they would have taken. Right. And then you go again, like. I think the biggest mess up, it wasn't necessarily the the quote unquote retooling. It was. Neil O'Shea not knowing when to um, hold him and when to fold him, right? He 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 was a prisoner of the moment after that after that playoff run of 2016, and he went out and he just spent a ton of Paul Allen's money. Nobody told Neil O'Shea he had to 
match all those contracts and sign all of those free agents like he so I don't think retooling was was the problem. I think the problem was Neil O'Shea's decision-making, maybe Paul Allen. I've heard rumors that he wanted to match Allen Crabb. And then you go the next year. They're set up in 2017 with three picks in the top, I think, 25 or 26. And they came away with Zach Collins and rest in peace, Caleb Swanigan. Uh, they, they passed on a lot of players who fans want now. Bam Adebayo, Donovan Mitchell, OG Anobi, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, John Collins, like, that, that was the draft that you needed to hit, and they didn't. So um, I, I, I don't think what they did in twenty the, during the 2015-2016 uh, season was wrong or had any um, impact on the franchise moving forward. It was just the the standalone decision-making from um, Neil O'Shea that kind of put Portland in a bind that they couldn't really uh, move out from, from underneath. And then... And I think he thought there was, like... It was the success with those players was repeatable, like with Alan Kravitz. Like he thought that that was like a repeatable task, but there was a lot of context that made them a second round team. The Clippers getting hurt that year, like there was a lot of things that went the Blazers' way in to, to getting a uh, playoff spot. So I understand those mistakes, but it still does like. With, with hindsight, yeah, he probably should have. But I I remember feeling so good about the, the team's success the first year. So I, I get where Neil was coming from. It just was a a, a bad mistake. Our our last question is from uh, Rip Village. Uh, he says, "What type of all in package? Name the assets and the target would cause you to want to keep the pick." Um, I think he means would cause us to want to trade the pick because we're keeping um, the pick if it's. Us. Yeah. Yes. So what what type of package would cause you to trade the pick? I think we've discussed if Scoot's available, it's got to be a first team all NBA type player, which and no one's going to really do see. that for an all NBA team player. <laughs> What's that? No one's going to trade an all NBA player for Scoot Henderson. No. And, and so, the Blazers yeah. would be wise to not uh, settle for anything less. But as we've discussed, it, the, the, it does become interesting if Scoot is off the board and now you're choosing from a Thompson twin, you know, with Jarris Walker or, or Brandon Miller. And for me, oof, I I think it has to be a younger player on a, a rookie scale contract. So you're not having to give up Yusuf and Anthony. Yusuf and Anthony may not fit this roster, but they still can be used to get you other pieces. Um, would you trade three if Scoot's not there for I- Ivy? Do you think do you do you think Jaden Ivy can play point guard? Because no, that's I don't. The, the the no, like you have to you have to look back. Um, that's a really fun question because I, I I like looking at it from a non. You know, everyone brings up the the goddamn Raptors and, and their players. Like I, I'm really kind of tired of talking about. Those guys, I'm t- kind of tired of talking about, you know, uh, Mikhail Bridges. I, I don't, there's no way Brooklyn's trading Mikhail Bridges. Um, that's a good question, though. Would you trade that pick for Mikhail Bridges if Scoot's gone? How much do we have to give up plus that pick? That's the question. I wouldn't, I, and then you're, here's the problem. You're really mixing timelines if you get Mikhail Bridges. You've got Dame in the twilight of his career. Mikael Bridges just now getting into his prime. 
at 27 ish and Shaden's 19, 20. Like you've got three separate timelines there that as we've seen with um, the Warriors, doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, shout out to a, a YouTube channel I watch called a Terra Nova basketball study, put out a video um, that's on my queue, but just the title alone caught my attention. And it was like, the, why two timelines doesn't work. You know, the Warriors had three lottery picks in two years that didn't pan out and they could have used those picks for win now players and they could still be racking up championships. So or they could have picked much better than they did too. Yeah. So it, it, it's tough, especially because Steve Kerr doesn't like playing his, his younger players. Um, so Ivy's a no for me, but is J dub Santa Clara J dub. Yeah. I, I would s- sincerely think about Jalen Williams from the thunder who uh, was uh second rookie of the year voting. I still love Jabari Smith a lot. I think he would be much better removed from that toxic situation in Houston. And I think you could also pick up another pick from them if they were really enamored with with with, with somebody else. Um, and probably Tari or something too. I mean, my, you know, I I would I would I think you got to look at young teams like Oklahoma City has players like Josh Giddy, who I would be all over. Um, the Pacers, I know they're not trading Tyrese Halliburton, but those are the type of players. Would you I do want Ben Math- Ben Matherin? No, because he's a two guard. Like yeah. you need to find somebody who's a legit three or four or legit floor general. Like this now, I think if you're tr- if you're trading the pick, as odd as it seems, it's not to win with Dame. It's how do we build around Shade and Sharp? Like we we've Sage, I think we've spent too much time discussing why we don't think building a winner around Dame is sustainable or likely. Um, it kind of sucks your soul out a little bit because of what Dame's given to the city and the franchise. But, you know, those moves of 16 and 17, they have their impact and they linger. And it's going to be difficult for Portland to to have a one-year turnaround just with the three pick. Like, And I don't think it would be smart to figure out a way to get your pick back from Chicago and then just go crazy and just go on a binger. Uh, at the casino and just say, here, take all of our chips. We'll just want one player back if it's not going to. Um, it's not better things. than KD. <laughs> yeah. yeah, KD wasn't good. Enough. KD was not good enough. Let that sink in. Kevin Durant was not good enough. Yeah. And players above him just don't come on the trade market. So it's, it's you can maybe hope and pray that Joel Embiid gets out of Philly. They've already fired Doc Rivers, but I think that's going to be their last gasp resort. I, I don't think they're going to trade the reigning MVP, but even if you do, now you have to worry about injury history as well. Like he was banged up in the playoffs again. He's never played in the conference finals. So would you do Tyrese Maxey for three? No. Yeah. No. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's a specialized player that it, it's a, it's, it's tough. Like it, it's legitimately players of Jalen Williams from Santa Clara and better. And Tyrese Maxey's a combo. So it, it, it's... I, I I do feel like trading three for a younger player is a better plan than trading three and Ant and Nurk and, you know, future first for whoever. All right, Sage, let's... We did a pretty good deep dive on our mock draft last time around. Um Spent a bit of time going through our reactions, our trades, 
um, our thoughts on that. Let's go a little little rapid fire um, for our mock draft 2.0, this time with the lottery fully in place. Um, do you want to start with the first pick or do you want me to start with the first pick? Uh, you can start. You, I All mean, right. Wemby's easy. Yeah, we're not going to spend any time with this. The Spurs will take Victor Wembanyama with the first overall pick from David Robinson in 87 to Duncan in 97. The Spurs luck out yet again, leaving the Charlotte Hornets on the clock at number two and an interesting decision to make. I mean, having LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier have to factor into my decision of who I draft. The fact is they have Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre as their only wing players Gordon Hayward hasn't been healthy since that ankle injury, really. Kelly Oubre is fine, but I bet he's a free agent this year. So they really need to get more wings to make LaMelo's life easier. So even though I personally don't value him this high, I am taking Brandon Miller at two because he just fits a lot of the needs. I know that he's not the best defender, but you can put him at the four since he's so tall. But he is a knockdown shooter, even though he has some issues with his shooting form. I'm I'm going Brandon Miller because of the the need they have for wings and the fact that they have an elite young point guard that was drafted like three or four years ago. So they don't need a new point guard. We're going to build around LaMelo and we're going to use the second overall pick on Brandon Miller. All right. Uh, I'm I'm taking Scoot Henderson. Yeah, you're I, running up there. You're, you're yeah, running up to the podium. I'm I am now completing the rebuild. Starting the rebuild with, with Scoot and Shaden, and then I think you start to um, explore what Damian Lillard can can bring you, and you can further in, in, enhance and, and speed up that 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 reset. Or is Anthony Simons safe on this team if this if we uh, get Scoot in this draft? Because I would sure love to pair Scoot with one of the power forward uh, players that we love, like Jarris or Taylor Hendricks. Because I could, I just, I feel like the rebuild would be better if more depth was spread around instead of three guards and Shaden. So if we could trade it and then get like a power forward that we like, would that be an option for the Blazers? I mean, it should be, right? I think if if you get Scoot and you're moving Dame, I think everything has to be everything on the table in terms Shaden, of sure. yeah. in terms of yeah, in, in, except Shaden. Like I think. Anthony just he doesn't fit. He's kind of the the square peg into into the round hole. And when you factor in, like I would love Anthony if he was a sixth man, just a gunner off the bench. But you can't pay those players twenty five million dollars mm-hmm. a year. That that value is just not there. And so again, you have a contract that is dictating um, value. And, and it's old. exactly, you can only have only have so many twenty plus million dollar guys on your roster. Do you really want it being the third guard off your bench? No, like Fourth so. I would, if I would call up if, if you have window, and I would say let's do Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe some salary, and I'll take that eleven pick from you, and then you can figure out a way to get Taylor Hendricks while also getting a young, uh, mobile big that could really work well with with your roster. And now again, you have another avenue to trade Yusuf Nurkic for you can keep him for depth, where you can use him to um, acquire. Uh, pieces across the the front line the wing like whatever so instead of like going all in and you're left with nothing you can kind of strategically plan for the future but use those pieces um as almost individual avenues to 
upgrade the roster rather than just like, oh, here's our smorgasbord of of assets. Please, please take them. Um, so that's feel like we're what Blazer fans want. Like a lot of Blazer fans want is the one single bullet to uh, to achieve everything you want. I want to give myself as many bullets as I can to hit that target. So if it's if it's if I can get fifteen. I'm going to get 15 to hit that target instead of one just perfect, you know, to, to hit those two birds or whatever the thing I'm trying to say. Is. I want to my most, I want the, the Rockets taking at number four. Rockets are kind of a tough team because new coach, new coach. They kind of missed out on Scoot and Victor and Brandon. This might be a weird one, but I'm going to Men Thompson because. Oh, that's not weird at all. I think that's a no-brainer. They need that playmaker. They need the playmaker. And then you can move off of KPJ. And then you have two young guys, two young bulls to lead the backcourt. A men can actually pass and is a willing and great passer. So I would he would set up Jabari, who needs to be set up. He would set up uh Jalen because he's a very good cut. Jalen's a very good cutter. So you have all of this potential like greatness of shooting and cutting and and driving and making Alperin Sangoon just a beast because he's going to be single covered. So I'm going Amen Thompson for the playmaking and the size and the defense. I'm going to make it back-to-back Thompson twins at number five for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I think they'll flirt with Jairus Walker, but they already have a similar type of player in Isaiah Stewart. They also have two bigs in James Wiseman and um, Jalen Duran. I think Asar Thompson has the ability with his defense. So you're, you've got size with Cade, you're smaller with Jaden Ivey, but you can play uh, Asar at the two or the three. He gives you incredible defense, really solid playmaking. His shots much farther along in development than mm-hmm. his brother amends. Um, I think they start to, to build that roster out in Detroit one through three. Um, very solid, and it just they're one of the few teams that makes up for Jaden Ivey's uh size deficit mm-hmm. at this at the shooting guard, and you can do that with with a big wings in, in Cade and and SR. So I mean they would just put Jaden on the point guard and have Cade and and uh the other Thompson twin just lock up. That's kind of, I mean is exactly what I wanted for that Orlando pick. <laughs> it's honestly exactly what I wanted. And Jairus would be a waste because of Paolo and the friends and uh, Mortise, but in and and so it's tough because I would I think Asur would be perfect for us in Orlando. I know that they did this with this is going to be the first reach of the uh, draft. And I know they did this with Jalen Suggs, but he hasn't really shown out the way I would like. I'm going Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky because he is a, a he is a very good defender, so they can lock up. I don't think of him as a true blue point guard. He's more of a a, a combo, but I think his his versatility at guarding one through three very well and being a potential like best guard prospect in this class. And then his shot isn't broken. It still is a quality shot. But I just just think of the 
Wagner twin, uh, the Wagner brothers, him locking up. Unfortunately, Asura's not there to play that that wing spot. But we're with Jalen Suggs and him guarding the guards. It, it's just going to be so many options that Orlando can throw out defensively to slow down these elite scores in the league. So I'm I'm going case and uh, with the Orlando pick, the first Orlando pick. At seven, the Pacers rush to the podium and they take Jarris Walker from Houston. Uh, becomes an incredible pairing defensively with Miles Turner. Uh, you've already got your your scoring in, in Ben Matherin and Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald could be traded, but that's they still have their scoring and they have their floor generals and Andrew Nimhard and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I think they they think about Cam Whitmore if they think he can play the three, but this team needs defense. Um, ben Matherin, as we discussed last year's Future Fridays, not interested, not interested in that side of the court. Um, Tyrese is not really known for locking up either. So you need to give Miles Turner some interior help, and Jarris could end up being, you know, DPOI potential uh, down the road. So I think it's an easy pick, smart pick, BPA, but also fit and need. So Jarris Walker, Indiana. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I mean, it's 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 the ultimate pick for for the Pacers to get Jarris Walker, who has fallen in comparison to this uh, mock draft I'm looking at at Tankathon. So we have the the Washington Wizards. The, this team's so... It's between Cam and Taylor. I know, you know who I would go. I, I know who I think they would choose. I think they're... They have I know stars. Who you want, I know who you want to choose, yeah. but... They have the stars in Bradley Beal if he stays, uh, and Porzingis. And then they have, they have uh, Kyle Kuzma. You know what? I'm doing what I want. Uh, they're going Taylor Hendricks to lock up the floor. I mean, they don't need a usage rate player. They don't need a guy that can drive to the lane like a beast and then not finish. I'm going with the guy that has range that can give space for Bradley Beal and give space for Chris Tapps to do his thing. I'm going Taylor Hendricks, and maybe they go Cam Whitmore, but you got to be... I just have Taylor so much higher on my personal board than I do Cam Whitmore than I'm going Taylor Hendricks. They they need to hit on first round picks eventually. I, th- I trust Taylor Hendricks to hit more so than Cam Whitmore. I mean, I too, I, I like Taylor better. Um, I, th- I don't think the gap is as wide as it is for me as it is for you. Um, I, I think Taylor's more of a prospect. I think he's a little bit further away. I think Washington might want somebody to to win a little bit now and get some fans in the stands and that's what what okay. Cam Whitmore will do. Um at number 9 I will take Cam Whitmore for the Utah Jazz. I think he can play small forward and given Walker Kessler, uh you have Lowry Marketing who's going to space the floor. Um you've got Ochai in the fold, called Sexton. I mean they they just take best player available right here. Like that's what Danny Ainge is going to do. He'll have to open up his three-point arsenal at some point, especially if he's sharing the floor with Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. But he's 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 one of those players that you could look back and say, why did he not go top five? Like if when he, if he hits, he has potential to be one of the best players from this class. Phenomenal in the passing lanes, just an absolute bully, but has bounce as well. Really fun prospect. If he gets that three-point shot and enhances, opens his blinders up a bit, like takes the blinders off. And sees the floor uh, instead of putting his head down and driving the bucket. He's he's going to be an absolute 
nightmare. So uh, I think Utah gladly takes them. They think Anthony Black, but I, I think I think Utah takes. They're 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 a smartly run organization right now, and that that hurts me to say, but they are. And I think they're going to take the the best player available. I think I think my biggest issue with Cam is the process between getting to the spot to dunk it and actually dunking it because he's just right now he's a bad finisher walker kessler being in the paint isn't going to make his life easier but i do agree with the pick like i I think uh, the the jazz would love having cam whitmore who do you have the dallas mavericks taking at number 10 i think it's just like last time between jordan hawkins and grady dick i think I think Jordan Hawkins is better, but Grady Dick's a, Grady Dick is much taller. And I think having Kyrie, because I feel like they, if they're if they're trying to compete, they have to have, keep Kyrie because they gave up the heart and soul of their team. So having a guy that's like six eight six nine, proper wing size that can hit threes at a high level, he has to buy into defense. But I think Grady Dick can help a lot with this six seven frame instead of. Uh, Jordan Hawkins at 6'5". I just think those few inches of height will help. So I'm going Grady Dick with the Dallas Mavericks. I also think that this pick could also also be traded. But since this mock isn't for that, uh, I think Grady Dick would help them with spacing the floor for those two guys to dribble and get inside and penetrate the paint. So Grady Dick will be used uh, (laughs) as a spacing for penetration. Orlando is on the clock again, and they're 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 I kind of call them Orlando Toronto of the South because of how they're being built. They just have a bunch of parts. They don't necessarily seem to, to fit super well together, or they could fit immaculately. Like it's just very unorthodox in how they're constructing their roster, but. I don't think that they're going to be able to go stretches with either Franz or Paolo playing the five. Like, I I don't, I don't see that happening. And they just added case and Wallace and they still have Markel Fultz. I mean, they still have Jalen Suggs. Um, I think Grady Dick would have been a nice fit, but they still have to address defense. Like they, they, they need to get better. Um, I think Orlando's a team that could look to package six and eleven to get one of those elite wings. You know, Asar was off the board when when you took Kaysen, because that's I think really where what would need to be addressed for them. I'm gonna go a little bit off the cusp here. I'm not saying this player is 11th on my board, but looking at what's left. I mean, I would love for them to take Jordan Hawkins, but where is he going to? Where is he going to play? Like, there's just too many, too many hurdles for them to climb to get that. Okay, so you draft Kaysen and Jordan, but then you already have Markel and Jalen, and it's just and they have Cole. We need they have Cole Anthony too, so they they have so many similar players. I'm going to take a player that they have nothing of, and that's Derek Lively, the second. Um, you're looking at a player who's going to shore up your defense. It can allow you to play a massive front line of Franz, uh, Paolo, and Lively. Those two can stretch the floor. You can let Lively uh, operate down low. Paolo and Franz are both playmakers, so they can run a nice high-low action. Um, that That's that's the kind of the – I think we're going to see jumps around this area. That's the jump that, that I'll take. 
That's um, the biggest jump thus far. Yeah, you know, Orlando I, I, has taken the biggest two jumps this draft in this mock defense draft. is what they need to address, and they get arguably the best perimeter defender in Casey Wallace, and I think they get the second best sure. shot blocker in the draft. Okay, shot blocker. Lively. Uh, who do you have at number twelve? I believe this is Oklahoma. This City. is Oklahoma City. And I have, I have a fun. I wish I was picking Oklahoma. I have a, I have a somewhat fun pick here. I have Jordan Hawkins. I feel like they need spacing for Shea and Giddy to do what Shea and Giddy do best, and that's penetrate to the rim and and kick out. So you're having the best relocation guard in the league in this draft class. So I think that he would work perfectly. He definitely will need to bulk up to play that defense as the two. But I think with his relocation skills and his his shooting ability, he fits what Shea wants to do so well. And then him and Isaiah Joe can be the spacers. I put I think they put a lot of a lot of responsibility on Isaiah. So now you're having another elite shooter with a whole lot of volume in his game. So you have two elite shooters on this team. So they're finally building to help Shea and Josh Giddy. Who was who is your uh surprise pick there's two guys that i would um just knowing how okc operates they're a little unconventional they love size and they love upside i would be intrigued with them drafting leonard miller and i would also be very intrigued if they took gg jackson the number one overall player in the class of of 2022 who played a year at south carolina um I think he's another player that's going to get drafted based upon high school potential. Didn't have the best year at South Carolina, but he the, had a whole tools, lot of usage. Yeah, the the tools are there, and you've just got you've got four generals and Giddy and Shea that are just going to make everyone's life easier. Um, those just two players. I think Sam Presti loves upside, and mm. you know you've got Usman Zhang and you've got Jalen Williams, got other Jalen Williams, you've got Chet coming in the mix. So I, that's. I think Hawkins fits them from a need perspective. I, I feel, in my opinion, I think OKC views Hawkins as too safe. I like safe picks um, at this point in the draft. Um, no no qualms with you taking Jordan. I, I think OKC may go in uh, a different direction. Um, but with the 13th pick, I am able to take one of those guys that I, I just talked about. Um, for the longest time, I've had Jalen Huchifino okay. yeah. going to the Toronto Raptors. Um, I know Anthony Black is a possibility here, but Asai Ujiri could be looking to move on from Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi. I think this could be a Leonard Miller spot. Like he had a really good, solid year. Not more than solid. He had a spectacular year in the G League. 20 points, 12, 12 rebounds, man. That's pretty. And his, his second year in the G League showed incredible improvement. You watch his tape and you're left wondering, how did he produce? Like he he's he's the classic tweener. Like I... He's like Josh Smith for from the Atlanta Hawks. The, the shot's not pretty, but it kind of goes in. It kind of goes in, yeah. And he's just a little herky jerky, a little uh unor- he's just unorthodox, but but he gets results. I do think he's a player that's gonna find himself closing in on lottery uh lane. Definitely. So that's why I have him going at, at 13. And Sage, I've left you with a lot of good options with your Pelicans at number 14. I f- I feel like I could finally say I'm uh I- I'm absolutely a bigger, bigger Trailblazers fan. I mean, we've done this for how many damn years? Eight. Eight. So yeah, I'm a bigger Blazers fan than I was Pelicans fan. I think it once AD left, once once Zion got hurt so many times, you know, it kind of changed. And I mean, we, we've done this for so long, but I do love the Pelicans. Your boy Drew left too. So that, yeah. that was one of that was your yeah. mainstays. Yeah. 
So first off, let's let's what's left on. I think the only player that's in most mock drafts right now is Anthony, Anthony. Black that yeah. hasn't been selected. And I don't uh, I don't think New Orleans takes him. No, they just took Dyson Daniels last exactly, year. The similar prospects. Mm-hmm. It's Dyson's Nick Smith's better prospect in my opinion. What's up? I, I think Dyson's better. I mean, no yeah, shit, shit. I don't <laughs> think Dyson's better. I think Anthony's better. <laughs> no, um, it's between Nick Smith and and Jet Howard. I think that you know what I'm taking. I'm taking Nick Smith because I believe in a lot of what he can do. I think the Arkansas tape is just bad, and you should throw it out for many reasons: the the lack of spacing, the the recovery of injury. If his knee checks out and he can provide what he did in high school, he's one of those guys that you have to do the high school tape, just like Gigi Jackson. And the high school tape is really, really impressive. So I'm going with that, but I would not be surprised if Jet Howard was the the last lottery pick. But with this mock draft and the fact that I took Jet at 14 last one, I'm going Nick Smith because he has the potential to be one of those those off-guard players that at, at first can't finish with contact but learn how to do it. I mean, we talked about him earlier in this podcast. Tyrese Maxey was one of those guys. Emmanuel Quickly is one of those guys. Devin Booker was one of those guys. I guess I'm just naming Kentucky players that have difficulty finishing, but they the archetype is absolutely there. So I'm going with Nick Smith at the Pelicans at 14. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, we will be back again with a future Friday of Rayan Rupert, uh, the Frenchman who plays down in New Zealand for the Breakers. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um Thank you again, uh, Sage. Take this one on home. All right, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. We're available on YouTube, the full video version of this podcast, if you're into that. We also are on IG with the reels. You get 50 seconds of the, the podcast instead of the, the full hour-long uh, conversation. Same at TikTok. So we're definitely out there. If you have any more questions, please let us know. We're trying to, trying to do a monthly or even more frequent uh, mailbag. So if you have questions about this draft process, individual players, free agency questions, please let us know. We will definitely do a podcast to answer it. And thank you so much for listening. This is (laughs) episode 340. So big, big episode. So thank you all for listening. We are out of here. Go take care of your baby or or slash get relaxed. I'm going to play MLB the show after I edit this bad boy. Peace.